We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to The Core here on American Family Radio Network. AFA at The Core it is, and this is the American Family Radio Network. I'm Walker Wildman. Glad to be with you today on the program. We've got uh, one week and one day before the election. One week and one day before the election. iVoterGuide.com is where you can find out more information. iVoterGuide.com is where you can get your personalized ballot. Uh, We're around 5.2 million voters impacted as of this morning. 5.2 million voters impacted. Go over to iVoterGuide.com, type in your address, get your personalized ballot, and get all the research needed to vote with knowledge, to vote uh, according to your values over at iVoterGuide.com. Psalm chapter 46 is where we are this week. Psalm chapter 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Psalm 46, verse 1 through 3. Well, speaking of the election coming up in just about a week and a day from now, November 8th, Tuesday, November 8th is Election Day. If you don't have plans to vote, now's the time to make them. Vote on Election Day. Vote your values. Go to iVoterGuide.com to be an informed voter. iVoterGuide.com. We'll have election night coverage on the night of the election. We'll have election night coverage beginning at 6 p.m. Central on this network. Beginning at 6 p.m. Central on Tuesday, November 8th, we will begin live election coverage. The video will be live streamed. Our election coverage will be live streamed over at streaming.afa.net, streaming.afa.net. And uh, just for that night, we are bypassing the login prompt. So we're not even going to make you log in to watch election coverage. You're going to be able to just go to streaming.afa.net. You'll hit the homepage there. And uh, the election coverage will be right there in front of you uh, at streaming.afa.net. So put that on your calendar. Put a note down that you don't miss it. On election night, we'll have live coverage, and we want you to join us on American Family Radio and on our streaming platform. Well, speaking of the election, I want to cover some key uh, issues heading into the election. The, uh, uh, the What I want to talk about for the next little while is the Different ballot initiatives or propositions that are on the ballot in various states around the nation. These are very, very important. And and oftentimes voters either are misinformed or they just don't know a lot about the ballot initiatives or the propositions that are on their ballot. And these are statewide propositions. These are statewide amendments, uh, statewide measures, if you will. There's a lot of different words you can use to describe them. But uh, for for the ones I'm about to go over, they're going to be on your ballot. When you go to vote on Tuesday, November 8th, uh, these 
ballot initiatives, these ballot measures are going to be um, on your uh, ballot. So you need to be informed, you need to know what's going on, and you need to know how to vote. And iVoterGuide.com is helping to provide all of this for you. All right, so let's just break these down. In the state of Arizona, so if you're listening to me, you live in Arizona or you know someone who lives in Arizona, there is a Proposition 309 on the ballot, all right? The uh, category or description has to do with voter identification. All right, that's in Arizona. iVoterGuide.com, key in your, your Arizona address. This will pop up at the bottom of your personalized ballot. So Arizona's dealing with a ballot measure. You need to be informed on that ballot measure. All of these ballot measures that I'm about to mention are, are covered by iVoterGuide, all right? This is a new feature that we're offering for the first time this year. Uh, we just published this a couple weeks ago. So if, if you hear me mention your state and there's a ballot initiative in your state that I mentioned in the next few minutes, iVoterGuide is covering it. We have researched it, and we have it available on the bottom of your personalized ballot. All right. So Arizona has a Proposition 309 dealing with voter ID. That'll be on the Arizona ballot statewide. California. California has, let's see, one uh, proposition called Measure 1. All right. And, and what this will unfortunately do, should it pass, is it, it, it would, would add abortion rights or the slaughter of innocent babies into, um, into existing law, into the Constitution um, in uh, California, all right? So that's proposition or measure one in California. Um, you need to go to iVoterGuide.com if you're listening and you're in California. You need to read up on that and, uh, and vote accordingly. Um, let's see, Connecticut, all right? We've got what's called question one in the state of Connecticut. This would allow... Um, the category or the description, it has to do with early voting, all right? This question one in Connecticut has to do with early voting. Once again, if you live in Connecticut, go to iVoterGuide.com, key in your address. The research all surrounding this uh, a ballot measure in Connecticut will show up on your personalized voter guide. Uh, going down the list to some of our more popular states when it comes to American Family Radio, Kentucky. All right, Kentucky has what's called Constitutional Amendment 2, has to do with protecting human life. That will be on your ballot. If you live in Kentucky, when you go to vote on November 8, it will be on your ballot. All right, that's in Kentucky. Constitutional Amendment 2 has to do with protecting human life. Louisiana, Amendment 1 has to do with uh, being a U.S. citizen to vote. That's what... uh. Amendment 1 has to do with in Louisiana. Going down to Michigan, or really going up if we're talking about geographically, uh, up in Michigan, uh, there's two on the ballot there in the state of Michigan, Proposition 2, Proposition 3. All right, one has to do with abortion. The other has to do with uh, uh, voting access and voting uh, standards, voting uh, laws. All right, once again, all of that is available at iVoterGuide.com when you key in your address Montana, Montana has to do with um, medical care requirements for infants who are born alive uh, through a botched abortion. 
That's in the state of Montana. Nebraska's dealing with what's called Initiative three, uh, 432, uh, which has to do with voter identification. Um, Ohio, I'm almost done here, folks. Ohio's dealing with what's called Issue 2, and that has to do with voter qualifications, who can vote, who can't vote. And lastly, Vermont um, is dealing with an abortion measure there in the state of Vermont. iVoterGuide.com, key in your address. If a ballot measure that has been researched by iVoterGuide and is going on in your state that will be on your ballot on November 8th, it will show up at the bottom of your personalized ballot. All right, you just scroll down to the bottom and you will see the research uh, there on iVoterGuide.com. Well, speaking of the election, the um, there's been this this civil court case going on, and I'm going to try to cover as much as I can. This is this is absolutely stunning. I can't believe I'm coming across this, but this has been going on for some time, but I'm just now getting up to speed with it. And this this civil suit has to do, it's between these parties, all right? The civil suit is between a company called Connec or Konec, K-O-N-N-E-C-H. They're based in Michigan. They uh, provide election software for various municipalities and states. All right, so this company, Connec or Konec, sued civilly, sued um, two key leaders that produced that helped Dinesh D'Souza produce the documentary 2,000 Mules. All right, Catherine Engelbrook and Greg Phillips. They are um, leaders of the group called True the Vote. All right, so if any of you have seen 2,000 Mules, um, Catherine Engelbrook and Greg Phillips, uh, they they spearheaded that film. They participated in that documentary um, uh, through True the Vote. All right, and they've been investigating and exposing many of the election illegalities, the election fraud cases, all that going on the past few years involving the 2020 election and President Trump and President uh, now President Biden, that's all been covered by True the Vote. All right, so that's the background here. So True the Vote came out with all this information, all this research, all this, uh, this data showing all the abnormalities and illegalities regarding the 2020 election, well, one of the companies that was kind of tied up in this theory and in this evidence was a company called Konek. Well, so, so Konek sues True the Vote, sues Catherine Ingerbrook and Greg Phillips. All right, so they're in this court case. They're in this litigation phase in Texas, all right? Well, it gets to a point recently within the last week or so where the U.S. district judge presiding over this civil suit, his name's Jenna, uh, Judge Kenneth Hoyt, He's a U.S. district judge. He is, through the civil suit, he is he is demanding that True the Vote reveal their confidential informants. And, of course, True the Vote refused to do so. And this, this is what, what is... This is how... The left and the Marxist and the Democrats, this is how they destroy people's lives and they uproot good operations is they sue you civilly through the civil system and then they, they bankrupt you through attorney's fees. And now they're wanting a true the vote to expose all of their sources. 
which is, which is insane. I mean, that undermines their entire operation. If True the Vote has to hand over all of their confidential sources, all their confidential informants, and um, you look at 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 the allegation, one of the allegations against Konek is that they were hosting data in China. All right, that was one of the allegations uh, that they were hosting data in China. And I'm not going to say that allegation was made specifically by True the Vote because I haven't done enough research to know that. It very well could have been. But one of one of the allegations in general by some people during the uh, after the 2020 election was that Konek uh, was running elections for various municipalities, including Los Angeles, by the way, and that some of the data on their servers was ending up in China. They were hosting some of it in China instead of in the U.S., as was supposed to be done per their agreement and per election standards. But listen to this headline. This is from Fox News. CEO of Michigan... This this came out, by the way, uh, at the beginning of October. CEO of Michigan tech company, Konek, arrested on suspicion of stealing data from hundreds of L.A. County poll workers. Oh, okay, interesting. So the company that's suing through the vote, civilly, because they don't like how their name was represented post-2020 election, and it could be a defamation suit. I'm not actually sure. I haven't looked into that either, the type of suit that it was filed under. I assume it's some kind of defamation or slander suit. Um, but this this CEO was arrested. For the company that's suing through the vote, the CEO was arrested. This is an October 5, 2022 report. report. The CEO, Eugene Yu, was arrested in Michigan because they were storing data on servers in China. Which is against election law in various municipalities where, where Konek is operating. This is according to Fox News. Konek was required to keep the data, all this election data, it was required to keep the data in the United States and only provide access to citizens and permanent residents, but instead stored it on servers in the People's Republic of China. So they were up to no good after all. But true, the vote's still being sued, and the judge has arrested through the Federal Marshal Service uh, Catherine Jungelbrook and um, the other gentleman. Um, that I've got uh, right here. Greg Phillips, the other gentleman involved with True the Vote. They were both arrested this morning in, in Texas over contempt of a U.S. federal judge. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Live as free men and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil. My name is Abraham Hamilton III and this is the Hamilton Minute. Question voting results and you're an election denier and a conspiracy theorist who poses an existential threat to our democracy. That is, unless your name rhymes with Killary Sminton. She who shall never be president has returned. And now she's saying right-wing extremists plan to literally steal the 2024 presidential election. Recent history has shown us that when regressives make accusations like this, especially preemptively, they're often projecting onto others what they are really doing. Seems like this is another example of that, as she may very well plan to run again in 2024. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner, or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III. 
public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. According to Barna findings, three out of four teenagers have engaged in at least one type of psychic or witchcraft-related activity. The same study found three out of every 10 church teenagers had received any teaching from their church about elements of the supernatural. As Christian parents, it is our shared responsibility to raise up girls in the light of Christ and to guard them from the harmful occult. Galatians warns us against the acts of the flesh, including witchcraft that will prevent humanity from entering the kingdom of God. Using Ouija boards, exploring Wiccan ideology, and seeking out professional fortune-telling are among the most common ways teens are trying to tap into the supernatural. Take the time to read scripture with your daughter and remind her that there is no one more powerful than the Lord our God. Learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for healthcare can save the typical family 500 bucks a month, and that's huge, but it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Core here on American Family Radio Network. Good to have you back with us in the Core. My name is Walker Wildman. AFR.net is our website. AFR.net is our website. You can check out the show there. We are also live streaming the video over at streaming.afa.net, streaming.afa.net. We do have on with us Steve Tiber, president founder of 8 Days of Hope. Hey, Steve, welcome back to the Corps. Hey, brother, good afternoon. How are you? Doing pretty well. Um, uh, I've got to ask, uh, last time we talked, you guys were on your way. Uh, our, you actually had folks down on the ground in Florida uh, helping with Hurricane Ian. What's the latest on that project? Yeah, thanks for asking, Walker, and thanks for having me. You know, we were there within 48 hours of the disaster, very quickly took in about $2.5 million of equipment uh, already. About 700 volunteers from around the country been serving in the Sarasota area. And then this past weekend, we moved down to the Fort Myers area. So we're still there. We plan on being there through November 12th. Um, we welcome additional volunteers. There's still some space. Uh, we have plenty of equipment, plenty of leaders to lead you. It's free. We provide food and lodging. But, you know, as you know, um, Fort Myers has been most of the uh, video footage and photographs that we've all seen from the damage from Hurricane Ian. It's pretty much ground zero. So the flooding in that area, the catastrophic damage is huge. You know, we've had bobcats and bucket trucks and all the heavy equipment going. Uh, we have seen so many 
miracles. I mean, miracles. We've seen, uh, I don't, I don't know, I don't know if there's such a thing as a mini revival, but <laughs> we have been serving families who are just, they're falling in love with Jesus as we serve them. Uh, so new, new brothers and sisters in the Lord, we've, we've had some new believers get baptized. I mean, it's, I mean, yeah, we're doing work, but God is being seen through these volunteers. It's been an amazing three weeks. Yeah, that's what I saw, uh, Steve, on Twitter on one of your posts a couple weeks ago, <laughs> is that, uh, you know, I expected to come across a video of you guys, like, chainsawing a tree or putting a roof on, but you guys were baptizing folks uh, in, like, a lake or some kind of river or something, or maybe on the beach. I don't know where it was. Somewhere in, yeah, in Florida, y'all were baptizing yeah. people. You know, you can't plan that when a family that you're serving says, hey, why'd you come from Kansas or Iowa or Mississippi to come serve me? We always tell the volunteers, be ready with your three-minute story, and don't share, don't share, you know, 66 books of the Bible. Maybe share one Bible first of how you met Jesus, and then shush up. Let them answer questions. Let them ask questions. And boy, uh, they have been. The, uh, it's been really interesting. You know, when people are at their deepest moments, when they're on their back, you know, nowhere to look, trying to get up, and a stranger shows up and loves on them. So we've had many families, of family members, uh, come to meet Christ uh, because of this disaster. And then some of them just were so convicted that they not only want to be a new believer and want to be a Christ follower, they want to be obedient and go through baptism. So, mm. you know, we, we have a partner church down there that we're based out of, and so very quickly um, that happened. So that wasn't in our plans, but it was in God's plan. So it's been an amazing three weeks. We're going to be down there for another couple of weeks in November 12th. And again, it's free. You just have to get to Fort Myers. We have a place for you to sleep. Uh, we're going to feed you really good. We have a great partner church, and we think there's still a lot to do the next two weeks. Mm, amen. You know, it's amazing, Steve, when you go down to provide physical assistance and you end up providing spiritual assistance through the power of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely amazing, mm -hmm. and that just lights a fire under each and every one of us to keep doing what we're doing uh, both here at AFA and at Eight Days of Hope, so on and so forth. But uh, in December, uh, you guys are going to provide some uh, some form of a Christmas gift to some folks in Louisiana. Tell us about that one. Amen, and thanks for asking for that. You know, if I asked your listeners to name the community in America that had five different disasters in 21 months, you'd be scratching your heads, right? Late Charles, Louisiana, Hurricane Delta, Hurricane uh, Laura, Hurricane Zeta, flooding, and an ice storm that damaged and ruptured many pipes. So we're going to be in Lake Charles from December 3rd to the 10th. This is our 18th rebuilding trip. Everyone's invited. Skilled volunteers are needed, of course. Also less skilled volunteers. But we're going to be doing roofing and carpentry, drywall, plumbing, flooring. If you know how to paint, if you know how to do landscaping, we, we need you. Uh, families are invited. We're very much a family-minded uh, ministry, uh, but we're expecting thousands of people to be in Lake Charles. We're going to be staying at the Civic Center right on the water. Uh, ben Fuller is coming in to do a free concert. He's got the number one Christian music song this past week, according to Billboard, called Who I Am. Uh, some other things going on, too, but you know, if you can't get down to Florida in the next couple weeks, please look at your calendar December 3rd to the 10th. Go to our website, 8daysofhope.com. Read the FAQs, Frequently Asked Questions. And uh, we would love to see you down there. What a great time. Our goal is simple, Walker. There's about 150 families that we have targeted, and our goal is to finish renovating or building your house so they can move in time for Christmas. This is two years after the fact. Mm. 
So please, if you haven't been on a mission trip for a couple of years because of everything going on in the world, this is the perfect time for you to love and serve the brokenhearted. 8daysofhope.com, December 3rd to the 10th, Lake Charles. Amen. Hey, Steve, appreciate uh, all you do there and your entire team. I know there's a lot of people and uh, a lot a lot that goes into it. Thanks for all your work, and uh, we'll, we'll chat again sometime soon. Yeah. Thank, and hey, Walker, thank you. Do you know, we, we have almost now 50,000 volunteers have traveled the country with us, and when we ask them where they hear about us, about 82% of our volunteers have heard of us through AFA and AFR. So know that even though you might not be able to be in Florida today or tomorrow, you guys are, are a big part of this. So thank you so much for your partnership. Amen. Amen. Wouldn't uh, we, we wouldn't be able to do it without you, and you wouldn't be able to do it without us. So it's a team effort, Steve, Amen. and uh, appreciate appreciate all that you do, and we'll chat again. All right, brother. God bless you, man. Thank all you. All right. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it, Steve. Uh, that's uh, Steve Tiber over at 8 Days of Hope, and uh, 8 Days of Hope has been a partner ministry with American Family Radio for some time now, since the very early days of uh, 8 Days of Hope. Katrina is when they started. My grandfather, uh, Steve Tiber, I'll never forget this. Uh, Steve Tiber uh, came by our headquarters here in Tupelo, Mississippi with his father. So Steve and his dad came by. They were going to take a couple couple men, maybe a couple trucks of men down to uh, the Gulf Coast to help families in the days following Katrina. And um, my my grandfather, Don Wildman, walked out. Uh, so, so Steve basically asked my grandfather for some money to help them with their trip. And, um, and my grandfather walked out to the parking lot and met Steve after their meeting right before he pulled off and said, here's, here's a hundred. Uh, I hope this helps. And, uh, Steve Tiber says he was expecting a, like a hundred dollar check and he opened the envelope and it was a hundred thousand dollars for their quote unquote small trip to, uh, the Gulf coast, the Mississippi Gulf coast to help with Katrina. And then from there, um, that was the seed, if you will, from there, uh, Steve Tiber, uh, through the work of God, has turned that into a multi-million dollar disaster relief ministry. They're building safe houses for uh, sex trafficking victims and, and those trying to recover from that. A lot going on over there at 8 Days of Hope. Um, so appreciate Steve and his team. Well, back to some of the election uh, news uh, going on. The... Um, the uh, I came across this story, and I want to I want to break down what we know, and really kind of debunk the, the the narrative out there. So we saw over the weekend the incident at Paul Pelosi's house. So the Paul Pelosi's Nancy Pelosi's husband, and uh, they've got a home in San Francisco. That's where uh, California's where um, Pelosi uh, is a congresswoman. That's where she serves. Been there for decades, uh, serving as a U.S. congresswoman. And uh, so Paul Pelosi is Na- is House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband. All right, so that's the connection there. Well, um, just this weekend there was news reports that that Paul Pelosi was attacked, um, was assaulted in his home in his personal residence um, this weekend. All right, around two two something in the morning as reportedly when the phone call came in, the 911 phone call, police response, et cetera, et cetera. And so we really, that's really all we know. I mean, quite quite literally. Like there's the name of the suspect out there, but beyond the name of the suspect 
the evening that this occurred and like a few minor details, there's really nothing else out there that's verifiable. All right. There's a lot of hearsay, a lot of speculation. Um, and I want to read, um, the reason I'm bringing this up is because the media and the Democrat operatives, including Hillary Clinton, they immediately took what was an assault on an elected representative spouse in their home in San Francisco. They took that and then morphed it into this uh, MAGA Republican attack on Nancy Pelosi's husband, um, and they tried to tie it to January 6th and the whole shebang. All right. Let me read um, a, a post from Glenn Greenwald. He's a, he's a reporter or a um, um, journalist, rather, a co-founder of The Intercept publication. Um, so let, let me read what Glenn Greenwald, his kind of assessment, if you will, of the situation that went, took, went down in San Francisco at Paul Pelosi's home. He says this, It's very possible that the instantly formed media narrative Paul Pelosi's attacker was a MAGA fanatic who broke in to murder Nancy will be, will be proven true. He says it's very possible that that could be proven true. But right now, there are so many glaring doubts and holes in that story that it just takes common sense to question this. He goes on to say, It's genuinely alarming how conditioned so much of the U.S. population is to equate skepticism toward the pronouncements of media corporations with mental illness. The narrative is this. If you don't instantly accept what Wolf Blitzer and Andrea Mitchell claim, then you're crazy conspiracy theorist. That's a two CNN host. It's so crucial to understand. I'm, I'm, I'm continuing the reading of Glenn Greenwald's assessment of this situation. He says, it's so crucial to understand the dynamic dominating journalism. Few journalists have career security. <clears throat> Imagine you're a young journalist at a big media corporation. You know, if you ask these questions, talking about the questions surrounding Paul Pelosi's attack, Twitter will explode and it can ruin your career. He goes on to say, this happened often during Russiagate. He says, I got texts and direct messages, emails from younger journalists inside big media corporations thanking me for being skeptical because they weren't allowed to be skeptical. He goes on to say that many journalists see many journalists see the glaring questions and evidentiary holes in the Paul Pelosi narrative. But they also know how important that narrative is to Democrats right before the midterms. That's where it comes into play here. So why stick their heads up, provoke a liberal Twitter mob, and be branded? That's the climate that journalists live in. Continuing this thread here, he says, this is Glenn Greenwald, by the way. He says, police investigating the Paul, the Paul Pelosi attack continue to state, quote, they do not know the motive, end quote. Yet liberal thought leaders like Hillary Clinton and Jimmy Kimmel have decreed that not only is the motive known to them, but only insane or malicious people would question them. Then there's an excerpt from Politico that says, there are many questions about the attack and the motive. Law enforcement hasn't yet detailed a motive for the alleged assailant or signaled if they provide new information about the assault on Saturday. So that was a Friday post. He goes on to say, I don't have theories to affirm about motives, 
because I don't try to convince the public to believe things for which there is no evidence yet. That's called basic journalism. The preferred narrative may end up being right, but most of it is based on messaged, uh, 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 on massaged by CNN anonymous claims. Sounds like Russiagate. And then he ends uh, his post by saying this. Glenn Greenwald says, I would like to know the following. How someone broke into the home of one of the richest and most powerful families without setting off an alarm. Secondly, how Paul Pelosi was able to call 911 in the middle of the assault. Three, who is the unknown person who opened the door for the police? And lastly, where is the video? All right, so these are some basic questions about an incident that they're key to knowing how the incident occurred. What are the basic facts behind the incident? But instead of waiting on all that to come out, the left and the Democrats are already blaming MAGA Republicans. And we don't know, we hardly know anything about what happened. We don't have police body cam footage. We don't have the full, we don't even have the audio of Paul Pelosi calling 911. We've got the audio of the dispatcher, but we don't have the audio of Paul Pelosi reportedly calling 911. And so there's these, these key facts that, 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 that people with a level head would wait on before you cast any type of judgment or any type of theory. You would wait on these basic facts, but Hillary Clinton and Jimmy Kimmel didn't even wait. The, the, the police didn't even know what was going on, and Hillary Clinton and Jimmy Kimmel go out blaming MAGA Republicans for the attack on Paul Pelosi. And the last thing that makes this whole situation very, very peculiar and interesting, to put it mildly, is that the dude that reportedly attacked Paul Pelosi lives... In an area of town that's known and a home that's known as the Hippie Collective with an LGBT flag out front with a marijuana leaf on it and a Black Lives Matter sign in the window. And this dude apparently liked to walk around San Francisco naked, no clothes. Does that sound like a MAGA Republican to you? Don't buy the narrative. Don't take the bait. Let's wait until all the information is out before we start drawing any conclusions about the Paul Pelosi assault. AFA at the core. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Too busy to catch your favorite shows on the radio? Have no fear, because the AFR app is here. Download the app to have access to live broadcast, music streaming, as well as each podcast. Whether you're at work, at home, or on the go, it's easy to listen to AFR. The AFR app is available not only for Apple and Android users, but also on Amazon Alexa and Roku. Download the AFR app today at AFR.net. AFR programming is now available on Alexa. You're joking, right? Nope, not joking. Seriously? Yep, this is not a drill. Wait a minute, no way. There's a way, the Alexa way. 
So if you just happen to miss your favorite shows, no worries. You can now listen to each podcast with Alexa. It's simple and it's free. Just visit AFR.net forward slash apps and click Alexa. We're not joking. The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. The credit card debt happened when my daughter was born. I was using one credit card account to roll over into another credit card account, and it was snowballing. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. When I first called Trinity, the representative understood the need based on the situation. They were great people to work with. From the first phone call that I made, they had me on a track to mitigate the credit card debt. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. Working with Trinity gave me the ability to save thousands of dollars. My name's Doug, and thanks to Trinity, I'm debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. Hello, this is Edward Graham, and I've got a great idea for you this Christmas. Through Operation Christmas Child, you can share hope with a child in need. Fill a shoebox with toys, school supplies, and hygiene items. Add your picture in an encouraging note. We'll deliver your shoebox gift to a child alongside the greatest gift of all, the good news of Jesus Christ. This year, Operation Christmas Child will hand out a 200 million shoebox gift. So join us this Christmas. Thank you very much. My name is Isabella, and I received my Operation Christmas Child shoebox shortly after the fall of the communist regime in Romania. During this difficult time in my life, this shoebox was a splash of color in my black and white world. You can make a difference in the life of a child by packing a shoebox through Operation Christmas Child. To learn more or to pack a shoebox gift online, visit SamaritanSpurs.org OCC. That's SamaritanSpurs.org OCC. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Core here on American Family Radio Network. We're live streaming the video over at streaming.afa.net and on AFA's uh, AFA at the Core's Facebook page. AFA at the Core's Facebook page. We're live streaming the video there. We'll publish this. A show in the form of a podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, just type in the show name, AFA at the core, and you'll be able to get it on multiple podcast platforms. And lastly, don't forget, uh, be reminded that we will be doing a live election coverage on November 8, 6 p.m. Central is when we'll begin. We'll go until, we'll go until, probably be here until 9, 10 o'clock, maybe even later, uh, just seeing how the night goes and uh, how quickly they want to count ballots. Uh, that will determine how long we stay here on November 8. Uh, but we'll have the live video up on our streaming platform. You're not going to want to miss it. Uh, we're making it easy and streamlined for you to get to over at streaming.afa.net. So mark your calendar, be there, don't miss out, and be a part of our election uh, coverage. Well, I want to introduce our next guest. We have with us Jonathan Keller. He's president of California, uh, California Family Council. Uh, in the state of California, of course. Uh, Jonathan, welcome to AFA at the Core. Hey, it's great to be with you and all the great AFA listeners. Thanks, Jonathan. Well, uh, tell our audience, before we uh, jump into the latest ongoings there in California, this is your first time on the Core, so tell our audience a little bit about yourself and the uh, California Family Council. 
Well, absolutely. We are obviously based here in the state of California, and it is a little bit crazy sometimes being a conservative Christian out here in the Golden State. But, you know, that's really where God has called me and my wife and our family. We have a great team of both staff and supporters who work with us all throughout the Golden State. And I've been with the organization for almost 10 years, and we actually are going to be celebrating our uh, 20th anniversary as an organization next year. And basically, our mission is to advance God's design for life, family, and liberty here through California's church capital and culture. So all the, all the exciting issues like pro-life issues, God's design for marriage and sexuality and gender, religious liberty, those are all the things that we're on the forefront of fighting for uh, every single day here in California. Well, uh, um, give, our, give our audience uh, the latest on this legislation that just went through um, back in late September, uh, but it has to do with parental rights and uh, the gender dysphoria issue that many people are dealing with around this nation. What's What happened with the governor there and the legislature? Well, absolutely. This is a bill that's called Senate Bill 107, SB 107, and it was a bill from a state senator here in San Francisco. His name is Scott Weiner. Um, and no, I, I realize this is a family show. I'm not making that up. That's, that's his actual name, Scott Weiner. And he is a legislator who represents one of the most liberal parts of the most liberal state in the nation, uh, the entire San Francisco Bay Area and the surrounding environment. He has been one of the most aggressively secular and really hostile to Christianity legislators that we've seen, not just here in California, but really in the entire country. And in particular, uh, Mr. Weiner is a gay man, and one of the particular things that he seems to focus on is all of the LGBT-related issues. Specifically, he's focused on, with this bill, trying to create a sanctuary state for transgender health care here in the state of California. And the real danger for this is that we know that there are states around the country, Texas, Florida, other conservative states with very strong Christian populations, they have stepped up and they have said, we believe that it is child abuse to medically transition or surgically amputate the bodies of healthy young people just because they're struggling with gender dysphoria. Well, Senator Weiner and Governor Newsom basically put this bill together and enacted it into law because they're trying to make it a option for people to come from any one of those other states to California and be able to engage in those procedures, perform those procedures on young people. Mm. And it's, it's tragic because these procedures, as you know, they're irreversible in most cases. And it is heartbreaking to think that we would be recruiting people from other states to bring their children to have these these horrible things done to them. Yeah, it's very very disturbing, uh, Jonathan. And you know, it's it's so it's so. What, what makes these these moves uh, even more wicked than they already are organically or naturally or to begin with is that it, it's one thing to encourage sinful behavior to encourage deviant behavior that contradicts God's design for each and every one of us, but it's a whole other level of evil to then tell people they can't get out. You're stuck. You cannot uh, get out of the lifestyle that you're living. You cannot 
uh, embrace how God designed you. You must do what we say you must do, what, what we say is right. Um, what's is, is there at this point, I mean, this is this is law um, in the state of California. Is there any type of litigation route? Because this seems like it really is unprecedented from a legal standpoint to really undermine parental rights to this extent. Oh, absolutely. I I do think that it is the first of its law like it in the nation. And we're definitely working with some of our good friends and allies in the legal community, whether it's, you know, Alliance Defending Freedom, Liberty Council, uh, First Liberty Institute. There's a lot of great legal groups that are already investigating this and looking to see if there is an opportunity for challenge here. Part of that is because there are there's another component of the bill that it also sets up a way for the state to actually refuse to respond to a lawful subpoena if a state, let's say again, Texas or Florida, if they subpoena the state of California and say, we're worried that our citizens are receiving these dangerous procedures in your state, California under this law essentially is going to tell them to pound sand. You know, we are going to refuse to respond to a court order. We're going to refuse to respond to a law enforcement request for information. And I do think that's probably an area where this may open itself up to some legal challenges. Mm. And the really tragic thing that we know is that we're already seeing a huge groundswell of young uh, men and women, uh, young boys and girls even in some cases, who have started down the transition process. They've in some cases had, you know, healthy body parts amputated. I mean, I know it's a family show, so I don't want to be too graphic, but I mean, literally, literally reproductive organs being damaged and completely destroyed. They're being castrated. as As a result. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and there was there was a hearing in the state of Florida just last week where there was a panel of these young people who came together, and the stories were heartbreaking. I mean, one young girl who's from California named Chloe Cole stood up in that hearing and told the Florida Department of Health, you know, I will never be able to breastfeed my own children. If I, if I want to have kids in the future, I've, because of this surgery, a double mastectomy that she had at the age of just 15, uh, she'll never be able to have that experience, never be able to, you know, l- love her children and give give life to them in that way through mm-hmm. breastfeeding. And it, it's heartbreaking to think about how many dozens, hundreds, even thousands of young people are experiencing these procedures now across the country. And far, instead of becoming a sanctuary state for these procedures like California does, Every other state in the country should look at this and run as far and as fast as they can the other direction. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, these procedures shouldn't even be allowed. I mean, we're destroying people's bodily autonomy uh, quite literally, like their bodily functions are being destroyed in the name of care and gender uh, dysphoria and transgenderism. It was absolutely astonishing. Um, And we're doing this to perfectly healthy people, perfectly healthy young people, Absolutely wicked, should not be allowed, should not be permitted under state law. Um, uh, let me let me ask you this. Uh, I want you to delve a little bit more into the specifics and give us maybe like an example of this, um, how Senate Bill 107 allows uh, uh, for children in other states to be brought by people who aren't legally recognized as parents or as 
authority figures in their lives brought into California and how it leaves little recourse for uh, true parents to intervene. Well, absolutely. And that might be the most scary part of this entire bill. Obviously, you know, it's bad enough when you're not responding. The state is refusing to respond to a legal court order from another state for a request for information. It's bad enough when you're saying if it's another state that is banning these dangerous procedures, don't worry, we'll let you come here. But the scariest part is that they are potentially saying they're going to even intervene in the relationship between parents and their children. They're basically saying that if a young person makes it to the state of California and they present themselves to a agent of the state, whether it is a doctor, whether it is a law enforcement officer, child protective services worker, or a counselor, even a social worker, there's there is the potential that the state of California would take emergency temporary custody of these young people and then begin an adjudication process to essentially emancipate these young people, terminate the parental rights of the lawful parents or guardians, and essentially award them to the foster care system here in California so that the children could undergo gender-affirming care. And mm-hmm. I, I know there's no... Uh, there's no scare quotes that I can do on the radio, but that that whole entire phrase, the idea of gender-affirming care, I yeah. mean, it really is a synonym. It's a euphemism for medical mutilation and, as you said earlier, castration. Yeah, that's right. And then, then they top that off with brainwashing and propaganda that denies the reality. When they, they Their language denies the reality of what's really happening. Um, hey, Jonathan, that, thanks for your right. work there in California. We need fighters all around the country. We need fighters all around the world, for that matter. And I appreciate your diligence there and your uh, staying in tune with what's going on and uh, for coming on the show. Oh, absolutely. If people want to know more about this, they can visit our website. It's real simple, just californiafamily.org. And then, of course, everywhere on social media, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, uh, just search for California Family Council. And we've got a lot of information about this story and ways that your states can be fighting back on this. Just because you don't live in California don't think that this won't be coming there. We have to be vigilant and always on guard to make sure we're protecting our kids and our families. Absolutely. Appreciate it, Jonathan. That's uh, CaliforniaFamily.org. That's the URL, CaliforniaFamily.org, and we'll link to that on the podcast page at AFR.net as well. If you don't know, now's the time to find out, that we do link on our podcast page at AFR.net. When you land on the homepage there at AFR.net, you can click on the podcast section and then click on the latest show uh, for AFA at the core, and we actually link to these various news stories and various uh, organizations that we're covering here. Uh, We link to all of that on the podcast page at AFR.net. That's a feature you're not going to get on these third-party podcast platforms. They don't allow us that ability, but on our website, uh, we push out the, uh, the links, the URLs to all these various news stories that we're talking about. Um, and speaking of news stories, I want to know who leaked the draft SCOTUS opinion. I want to know who leaked the draft SCOTUS opinion. Why on earth is it taking this long? Will we ever find out who leaked it? And this this really shows the, the, the priority or the lack thereof from the bureaucratic administrative law enforcement state in America. 
If the FBI wants to wants to listen in on candidate Donald Trump's phone calls, they do it. They do it very quickly, and the judge gives them authority very expeditiously. If the if if the Department of Homeland Security wants to meddle around in social media platforms and block certain users, well, they do that, and they get to do it very quickly. A uh, news report came out today that the big social platforms created special portals just for government employees to get in and block users. That's out just today, and we'll cover that more in later programs. But when it's when it's Paul Pelosi getting assaulted in his home, when it's Jesse Smollett getting a, a, a supposedly assaulted in downtown Chicago in January, going to get a Subway sandwich at midnight, uh, the FBI jumps in. The FBI jumps in. They send a team of a dozen special agents down there. They figure it out. They do wiretaps. They do warrants. They do subpoenas. They get all the records they need to prove a case or disprove a case. When Bubba Wallace uh, has a supposed noose outside of his garage over at Talladega, a team of special agents come down from Atlanta. We're going to take care of this. We're going to figure out this hate crime, and we're going to put the person who did this in jail or the person who supposedly did it. But when we have our nation's highest court compromised with leakers, well, we'll get to it next year. Uh, Maybe. We may never find out who leaked the draft SCOTUS opinion. There's like 40 people who had access to it. Figure out who leaked the draft opinion and let us know. This is absurd. Zero confidence in the court until we can figure out who leaked the draft opinion and how we're going to make sure it doesn't happen again. The question for the week is, who is the leaker at SCOTUS? AFA at the core. See you tomorrow. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.